When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to the Center and the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, well, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952. Luke Anderson, astronaut, a man barely interesting. I also uh, went to a school dance with a girl that watched Titanic, I think 17 times in the theater. It was a different time back then. Will Darkens, hot air balloon attendant, frightened by technology. There's HBO hot, where it's like, you watch it, and you're like, wow, she's dangerous. I'm into that. We have the capability to build the 33rd best radio show in Portland. On Saturdays, about sports. The Sinner and the Saint will be that show. Better than they were before. Funnier. Sportsier. More Labradoodles. On 1080, The Fan. All right, that's how we start Hour 2. If you missed anything from Hour 1, it was Radio Gold. And you can check that fact by going to 1080thefan.com and downloading the podcast. Just push the on-demand button. It'll be right there. Swag will put it all on there. I don't know how any of that works. I also do not understand technology, but it'll be there and you can listen to it. So no Will Darkens this week. With me, the Portland Pilots dream team, the two Jasons, Jason Bro and Jason Swigard. How lucky am I and how lucky are you as listeners? Thanks, guys. Oh, and he doesn't know how to put on his mic. That was perfect line, too. It's on now. Go ahead. Try again. This reunion was everything I'd hoped it would be. <laughs> and more. <laughs> Are you more excited of the reunion with me? Uh, oh, no. I, I, oh, I, I couldn't. Swigert. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> I see you way more than I want to. Oh, well, you see me by choice. You see swag by necessity, I suppose. <laughs> so, anyways. Uh Boy, the the NCAA tournament is off to a rousing start. And if you're a Pac-12 basketball fan, this is kind of reminiscent of, uh, well, the postseason that they had in football, isn't it? So the Pac-12 missed the college football playoff and then decided to win a total of one bowl game against a West Virginia team that didn't have their starting quarterback. That sounded like a pretty accurate recap there. So how do you beat that for the NCAA basketball tournament? You get three teams in, two of them playing play-in games, don't win those, and then Arizona, the four seed, who has the best the best basketball player in college basketball, likely the number one pick in the NBA draft, and you get housed by 20 points to the University of Buffalo. Yeah. So the big question is, is this a larger problem or is this just a bad year? I got to think it's just a bad year, right? It's a really bad year though, right? I mean, I mean it, well, yes, there's no debating that. But I, I don't know. I, I get. I think it's a little too much when you start looking at bowl games when everyone just complains about gold bowl games anyways and devalued the product if you're not in a New Year's bowl or a top, you know, bowl. But then you're going to point to that as a metric for not being good. It's kind of not good regardless. Okay, well, but. how about this? You also have a team that didn't win a FBS game. 
that probably doesn't really help. Yeah, the no, only I, win for the universe, in, or Oregon that, State, sorry, Swag, was uh, against Portland State, who oof. ended up being a bad Big Sky team. And squeaked it out. Yeah, and Arizona, your top team is under the umbrella of this FBI investigation, so is USC. Yeah. Um, so... I, Basketball, it doesn't worry me as much because with one and dones, you can completely reload. And that'll be gone probably next year. What's that? The one and done. Well, but at least for right now, all of the guys currently playing college basketball at schools like Kentucky and Kansas, Arizona, all of the, the blue bloods, they're going to lose their, their players to the NBA. I guess that's my point. So next year, even if that rule is gone most of the big blue bloods are starting from scratch anyways. They lose enough guys that it's all about this coming draft class. And if you're an Oregon fan, I mean, I think everybody's excited about Bull Bull coming in and being this monster. Uh, Shaq's son, I don't know what his first name is, but we'll assume he's... Uh, Sharif. Sharif O'Neal uh, was going to go to uh, Arizona, but decommitted after the uh, FBI probe started leaking stories about wiretaps and payments. So he's going to go to UCLA. So you've got a handful of the top players in college basketball going in but i mean this is this is a really bad look for a conference that couldn't figure out their television contract they haven't been making the revenue of the other conferences i think it's a little bigger hole than just that's a down year yeah i'd agree with that i mean i think it's concerning for sure um i i think that the pac-12 was out in front of a lot of lot of things you know in terms of digital and media and, and different things like that and uh, the landscape changes so much that sometimes it's not great to be too far out in front of that. Um, I, I, they're going to bounce back, though. I mean, you got you got programs that are that are set up to be successful. I'm more familiar with basketball than football. And yep. You look at Washington overachieved this last year. You think you got some good coaches. I mean, you don't know how the, in the basketball world and football too. You don't know how the FBI stuff's going to really shake down and yeah. really affect everything on a on a global scale in the collegiate landscape. So that'll be interesting to see, but. You know, there's down years. I I don't I don't think this is going to be something that we look at next year and it's a terrible year again for the Pac-12. I'd be surprised. Yeah, and and you're not that far removed from you know the University of Oregon playing for a national championship. Yeah. It chip in football and, and, a, final and a final four. So it, it's it's funny though, and it's it's interesting that it's become this narrative where you know driving in this morning, I listened to Darian Mel on this fine station before Golf in the Northwest, which. If you're going to listen to a golf program, let's be honest, that's the one. But they were talking about it and how embarrassing it is for a Power 5 conference. This is the first time that you haven't had a Power 5 conference advance to the round of 32. Well, and the hard part is you had two in the play-in game, one that yeah. was uh, two that a lot of people didn't think deserved to be in in the play-in game. It could have been a one-bid league, which is tough. Uh, and then, like you say, to not have anybody advance, uh, that that's rough. But again, NIT, five teams advance. Five teams advanced in the NIT, and USC's top player sat out because he doesn't want to get injured. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the the favorite comment that I heard this week, and I'll give my brother credit for this because we were texting back and forth after Arizona got whooped. He goes, well, at least they won't have to vacate any wins in the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when we, we speak of conferences, I want to kind of get into this because you – okay, so for anybody that doesn't know who, who Jason is and why he's here, he has some credibility. He's not just a buddy of mine that I grabbed Very off the little. street. But you graduated from University of Portland, went to grad assistant to sports information director. Now you're an associate athletic director. So you've been around college basketball at the Division One level for a very long time. And and so we graduated high school in 99. So from the time you were at the university, 
what Gonzaga has been able to do and how they've put the WCC on the map, how important is it to have one school or is, I guess the question, I'll, I'll rephrase it. Is it great to have a school that is so dominant in a small conference that it puts schools like St. Mary's, BYU's been a tournament team, put them on the map, or would you rather have it where you have parity and from one year to the next? And that's kind of what we see in, in the Pac-12, where if you don't have that one team, you kind of fall off. Would you rather have a conference with parity or one team that's dominant? It's a million-dollar question. It's, it's a tough question because we deal with it in the West Coast Conference where Gonzaga's created such a force of a basketball program that, that quite frankly, even the BYUs and St. Mary's aren't, aren't close to the same level as what they've been able to do. And all credit to Gonzaga for reinvesting in their program and the resources around it. And, you know, they're better resourced for success than half the Pac-12 in basketball specifically. Okay, yeah. They're better resourced for it um and so that's tough when you're dealing with a lot of smaller schools in in not as big of that type of budget or not as that much of a focus where the the disparity is so high right now that the, the argument that a lot of the wcc schools are saying is as gonzaga is exploring other options right now reportedly in the news okay. media about mountain west is is it good for us is it bad now it's bad from a financial perspective no doubt about it the gonzaga brings a ton of revenue in both from uh, market shares of the the television contract as well as we fill up the child center every time gonzaga comes yep. in we rarely do that for other teams so there's no doubt the value they bring but at the same time for most of our teams you don't get that opportunity to be UMBC where you get a shot to go in and make yeah. a name for yourself because it's so hard to get through Gonzaga. And What's it get, been, 16 straight years that they've won the conference? Well, they've gone to 18 straight. Since 1999, they've gone to the tournament yep. every year, and they've gotten the automatic bid a number of times. St. Mary's has gone to five or six, yep. at, either as the automatic or a, as an at-large, but it, it just creates this system where it's really hard to break through that. And then the way that the NCAA landscape is set up right now, it's really hard for mid-majors to get to get at-large bids. And it's very systemic. And it goes really down into the details of scheduling and big schools basically paying to get wins and not going on the road. You know, at Portland specifically, when Ernie Kent was at Oregon, we had an eight-year home-and-home with the University of Oregon. Yeah. Where they came and played on our court four times and we played at Matt Court four times. University of Washington, we played home and home with them every other time. And that was during Portland's best years. We beat Washington at home. We yeah. beat Oregon twice at I home. I remember Pooch Jenner was State. Uh, the Jenner, that you know, team, yeah. So, you know, we could get those wins. You won't see another day where Washington or Oregon will come into the Child Center and play or anywhere else in the mid-majors landscape for that matter. So the numbers, the RPIs, the, the metrics are so skewed in favor of the big schools that have the monies that can pay big guaranteed games. It makes it nearly impossible for teams like St. Mary's, who went 28-5 and five in we can give a little criticism to them for not scheduling higher because they had yeah. some opportunities and they didn't, but it doesn't take away from the fact that they went 28 and five, beat some good teams, beat Gonzaga on the road, still couldn't get into the dance. It's just the system is set up to, to benefit the bigger schools. And they, and if I'm a bigger school, if I'm an AD at a bigger school and a coach at a bigger school, I'm not going to go play LMU, <laughs> Santa Clara, Portland, St. Mary's on their home court yeah. when I don't have to. Why would I do that? And all the all the metrics for getting us into postseason play, if I'm at a big school, say you shouldn't do that. Yeah, It, it makes it really hard for the mid-majors. And so back to your original point, yeah. is it good to have Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference? Absolutely. The revenue, the exposure, the TV contracts, the recognition, the, the fill in the arenas. Um, 
But sometimes you want to have that UMBC opportunity to get into the big dance. And right now, Gonzaga is a big roadblock for most teams in the WCC to get into the dance. Fair enough. And and with these mid-majors, when you look at it, it's the, the one thing that comes up in college basketball, and this is part of the one-and-done rule going away, is there is there a problem with parity right now in college basketball? It seems like with the one-and-done, it's actually kind of leveling out where you we just saw the first 16 seed win it's it's is there real parity I, I think there's much more parity but again that's getting you're not seeing not as many mid-majors within the opportunities because that parity across yeah you're going to see more lower seeds beat the other teams because a lot of those teams will have like buffalo you look they got a bunch of seniors on their roster yep. they got a bunch of guys who were who tough and and well and i guarantee you if buffalo could get five Big East or Big Ten or ACC teams to come and play on their home court, they'd win a couple games. Yeah. But it's hard to win on the road at those teams. And, and so I guess I guess the question would be, because that's how mid-majors make a mark is they play fourth and fifth-year seniors, juniors, the, if they'll have a freshman. I mean, a guy like Zach Collins only got 18 minutes a game for He's Gonzaga. He's a reserve for Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. In a backup role for Gonzaga. And he was a top 10 pick so if they get rid of the one and done and just one word answer is fine is it good for mid-majors to have the one and done be gone it's good for college basketball okay fair enough um we are very excited because there seems to be a leprechaun in the house i believe it is garrett from kells we'll find that out when we return you're listening to the center and the saint on 1080 the fan all right, welcome back to The Center and the Saint. We're getting back to something that we used to do uh, before we had a uh, vegan co-host. Um, uh, but I've just said, you know what, we'll forget it. We're going to start drinking and eating on the show again. And he's not here, and it's St. Patrick's Day, so we had to bring in a guest. And uh, we are very happy to have Garrett McAleese, the owner of the Kells Brewery on uh, 21st. Uh, in uh, Northwest Portland, and he's joined us, and he's brought some beer, and we're going to talk St. Patty's Day and probably some soccer, and if you've got a problem with that, too bad. Uh, so, uh, Garrett, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you for having me, guys. All right, so you're pouring some beer. We'll just start with uh, what you got going on, and it looks like you have the Tropical uh, Hazy IPA. Is that right? Yeah, that's, uh, we just got that in cans right now, so just crack that open for the three of us, and <laughs> cheers, lads. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Great way to start the Good show. Good stuff. I need to come in on this show more often. <laughs> well, you're always invited. The door's always open to you. Uh, I can't promise that swag will always be here, so you may not want to show up, but you do what you do what you like. Uh, so this is a uh, big weekend uh, for you and both Kells locations. Uh, so tell me what's going on. Give us the 10,000-foot view if nobody's ever heard of the... Yeah, absolutely. So Kells Institution in uh, Portland, my dad came over from Ireland. He started it up. And so I kind of grew up in the business, grew up selling popcorn at St. Patrick's Day at the Kells downtown on 2nd Avenue, uh, which always been the biggest St. Patrick's Day party in Portland. And uh, now I throw a little party up in Northwest that's slowly growing bigger and bigger. And this year we've doubled in size since last year and invited a uh, bunch of breweries in for a Irish beer festival. So I'll tell you more about that in a second. Well, that's great. Um, so the brewery is the is the interesting part. So the original location never brewed any beer. So when you open the, is that right? Yeah. Okay. And so when you open the brewery, when did it actually open? So we opened 2012 up in Northwest Portland. Um, I had been brewing beer for a few years at that point. I was making some delicious Irish style beers, really traditional. And I wanted to do that. And then all of a sudden now we're, you know, fast forward six years almost and 
We got tropical hazy IPAs and all sorts of fun <laughs> stuff that all the young brewers that are coming in are brewing. They're even better than me, you know? <laughs> yeah, this is a very much a Portland beer, so kind of stepping a little away from the Irish tradition. Yeah, I brought you I brought you a little goodie bag. You got an Irish red ale, too, I brought oh, in. So, you know, later on today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll drink it on the way home. I'll get, a, I'll get an Uber. No, you can't do that. I don't think you can do that stuff. Uh, so, so what's the difference between the two locations? What What's going on downtown for anybody that's never been to the big party first? So downtown, we got a huge tent in the back, uh, St. Patrick's Day celebration. We got live Irish music, dancing, bagpipes, uh, and that's going on all day. That tent is enormous. The inside of the bar, upstairs, downstairs, it's craziness down there. And then up at the brewery in Northwest on 21st. Do you have the boxing matches still going on? Yeah, oh, the <laughs> boxing match happened last night. Uh, uh, okay, yeah. but, okay yeah, yeah. but it happened. So that happens, and it is it is a blast. Uh, I stopped by, and I still smell like cigar smoke. And, Perfect. <laughs> yeah. As you should. As you should. So then what's going on up at 21st? Sorry. So 21st, we have um, the Brew Festival. We got almost two dozen breweries this year. Last year, we started with a dozen. A uh, couple local cideries. Really cool. We had a guy come in from ireland fly in collaborate with a beer with us an irish brewer uh from saltwater brewing so you check out that beer there we also had another irish brewery uh bring beer over from ireland so we got a couple true irish breweries and then a bunch of really cool guys locally who made irish style beers and not just traditional irish like an irish red or stout but fun stuff like they made a lager took a bunch of loaves of irish soda bread and Put it in the lager. Oh, I like that. You know, some <laughs> I don't of them. I know what that means. Yeah, sounds delicious. <laughs> just crazy, crazy beers. And uh, trying to think, got a lot, lot of beers with some Irish whiskey flair to them too. So, how different is the feel for anybody like me that started going to Kells when I was twenty-one? I think <laughs> um, back in the day, how different is the feel at the brew pub? Because I actually haven't stopped by there yet. Mm. So the brew pub, uh, it's gonna feel, it's gonna feel more like a little beer fest. We got. In the tent itself, we have um, like long picnic tables and some umbrellas, little lights hanging down off of them, little string lights, stuff like that. It's kind of got a fun little young feel to it, actually. And uh, the, what's cool about it, you get you get to try a bunch of different beers. Whereas you know downtown, it's you're pretty much nonstop with pints of Irish. You know, boom, yep. boom, boom. Yep. There, it's like you, you can get little samples if you want. You can try. You know, there's twenty something different breweries that are coming in, so you get to try a little taste of each one, and each one's super unique. So kind of blow your palate out there. It's really fun. So it's the Portlandized version. It's it the, is, it's yeah. That's a, no, it's fantastic. My dad grew up in Ireland and I grew up here and that's, that's kind of, you know, I kind of grew up enjoying that kind of stuff. So Great. And the other thing that Kells is known for, and you guys have taken this torch a little bit more, I think, than, than Kells is, is falling in and being the place to watch soccer matches. That's true, yeah, and this is a sports social, yeah, we definitely... <laughs> I guess uh, we can talk about sports. <laughs> we, we <laughs> currently, it's just finishing up right now, but... We got a rugby game on right now. Uh, Ireland's about to beat England in the uh, <laughs> Six Nations and uh, win what would be considered the Grand Slam for the first time in, or third third time in the last hundred years. So. How big of audience do you get for rugby in there? Because I've watched a couple matches. I actually had a buddy that uh, played for a, a non uh, like a semi pro professional league or semi pro league in Las Vegas, and he actually asked me to come out and join a practice one day, but he had a cleat mark on his face the day that he asked me. So I, I avoided that. But how many how many rugby players in Portland, how many guys that are big fans of the European rugby leagues come and make it out? Honestly, uh, the big the big games, World Cup games, Six Nation games, stuff like that, we're always packed in there for. Uh, we got great 
Great fans for that. Um, the Kiwis love it, man. The All yeah, Blacks the all always Blacks turn out. Sure. So there's yeah. a couple. You you don't know how many Kiwis there are in Portland until all of a sudden there's yeah. an All Black game on at four in the morning and the place <laughs> is like you can't move. It's yeah, hilarious. that's always fun. There was a when I lived in in L.A. There was a, a bar in Santa Monica where you go any hour of the day, and there's always because they're European broadcast. There's always something on. How <laughs> different are rugby fans versus soccer fans? Uh, they're, they're really similar. Everyone, yeah. you know, especially we're all going to get up at any time in the morning to watch our favorite team play. And that's what I love about soccer. All my great memories, even as a kid going down to the bar at like 7am to go watch Man United play and, you know, hopefully try and beat Barcelona in Champions League. Or, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. So, so the crazy thing about soccer, like I, I, we grew up and we were basketball, baseball, football guys when mm -hmm. we grew up. And then I went to the University of Portland and you go to the University of Portland and you immediately fall in love with soccer. Absolutely. And, and yeah. so someone who never really played or anything growing up to soccer now, I'm one of those guys every morning I can get up and watch the EPL. You're tracking the La Liga and everything. What are some, some of the teams that you see the biggest following come in for some of those random events that get a little rowdy in your play? Well, first off, I want to say go Pilots. Yeah. My, my brother came back. Uh, he was playing semi-pro in Ireland, finished up two years yep. uh, for the Pilots playing mm -hmm. soccer. So, yeah, let's go Pilots. Um, yeah, as far as as far as the soccer goes, <laughs> yeah, I mean the, well, the team the teams that get the biggest crowds internationally because oh, yeah. we know the Timbers games yeah. are insane. Yeah, I'm Timbers sure. games are nuts. But what what are the kind of the big draws for? I mean, the World but Cup. Yeah, like coming if somebody up. wanted if somebody wanted to go and watch like Premier League because we we talk about it all the time and and you know if you want to be a fan of something you have to kind of be part of a frenzy. So if I wanted to go watch a Premier League game, is it Man U? Is it Chelsea? Who do I want to go when they're playing? Go down to Kells. Yeah, the big six obviously get a huge draw when you're talking Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, uh, and now Man City. Um, all those games are always packed. There's always the fans sitting up. You know, we got we only have 12 seats at the bar right at the brewery. Okay. So all those seats during the big games are always full. You know, so they're all, that's like the that's the stand dead tarred fans for every game. You know, um, and then the rest of the bar fills up for those big games, especially Champions League. You can't move. Yeah. Um, and then Timbers, we're two blocks away from the Timber Stadium. So you I guys, those are wild. insane. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of been, I've, you know, I started watching soccer and my, my, my dad's a Celtic supporter. So I started watching European soccer and I never grew up really watching the Timbers that much. We'd go to the games, but now all of a sudden, now I'm, now that I'm two blocks away from the stadium, they've become my favorite team and. And the product's getting better. You oh, know, in the MLS, goodness. it's significantly better. We're I want to know World Cup. What, yeah. like, well, well, World real, Cup. Real quick, we're talking with uh, Garrett McAleese. He's the owner of the uh, Kells Brewery on 21st. There's the big uh, Irish festival going on both at the downtown location and up on 21st. A little more of a Brewers Festival feel on 21st and Irish Festival downtown. So it's it's a big party. We're talking soccer with him since we don't know anything. I don't know anything. <laughs> we don't normally know anything. So we've got two soccer experts. I'll turn it over to you idiots to talk about that. Well, just with the World Cup, I mean, obviously, U.S. not making it. But I imagine you guys are probably thinking ahead on, on how you capitalize on that. What, what can we expect from kills around the World Cup time? Yeah, uh, honestly, probably the most fun for World Cup games. Argentina's awesome. Colombia was my favorite team to have the fans in, and Brazil. I remember last World Cup, Colombia and Brazil, it, you thought they were going to start fighting because the intensity got so <laughs> hot in that game. And the two, I mean, the, the crowd was literally like, one side was all yellow, and the other side was all in Colombia jerseys. And 
all of a sudden, you, like, there's tension. They're yelling back and forth. And then it's more just like at the end of the game, it was like a dance off. You know, it's like everyone's happy. The music's turned up. Like, I, I honestly let them take over the stereo and they started DJing. And the whole place turned into a dance party for like an hour after the game. Even after Colombia lost to Brazil, it was awesome. So as good a place for a party as anywhere. Uh, again, just real quick, let's give us all the details for the party. It goes all the way through the weekend. All the way through the weekend. Uh, tomorrow's really fun at the brewery. I'm doing family day. We got a petting zoo. Uh, so you can come check that out. Bring the kids. Let them run around while you have a pint, which is awesome. Um, What's going on tonight? Tonight is St. Patrick's Day. Tonight is the night to go out if you want to have a really, really good time and maybe wake up tomorrow a little groggy. <laughs> <laughs> and again, if you want the Irish feel, go downtown. Kel's on second. Uh, and then if you want to get more of the Portland brew pub feel, you're still going to have plenty of uh, Irish madness. You're wearing a full leprechaun suit. Uh, Absolutely. It's yes. a wonderful outfit. So, <laughs> so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> Garrett, thank you so much time for taking the time to talk to us. Awesome. Thank you for having me, guys. All right. Well, when we come back, I have a very... I have a curiosity why we're so infatuated with disasters, but no matter where I look in sports, the three names that I cannot avoid are Tiger, Tanya, and OJ. Why do we love disasters so much? That is next. You're listening to The Sinner and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. Big thanks to Garrett uh, McAleese. From Kells, uh, great to have him in. Great, this tropical hazy IPA is, uh, as he put it, a fantastic morning beer, and I must agree. As a champagne drinker, that is a beer <laughs> I would drink. Very approachable for the champagne drinker in your life, and uh, and it's going to satisfy the beer drinker as well. Swag, did you get a little taste of it? I did not have a sample. I'm not a huge fan. I'm like one of the eight people in in Portland that does not drink IPAs. Well, but this is not this is not going to be that bitter beer face IPA. It's not a Portland IPA. This is this is the the trend we're seeing in Portland. Well, he's movie. got he had a thing there the Irish ale that I'm I'm. You know. No, you're not getting that. Don't yeah, worry about that's, that. That's, no, that's going home with one of us. <clears throat> no, it's going home with me. It's my oh. show, you goons. Get I'm out of here. I'm closer to the door. <laughs> I know, but I'm faster than you, I guarantee. Very true. Um, so anyways, uh, it, give it a try, Swag. I'd like to see what you think. But there's definitely a trend in, in beers in Portland moving away from that IPA you have to chew. And uh, this is, I think, something you might even like. Well, we'll see. Well, that's, so, again, Because we'll, I'm, uh, I'm not a fan of the overhopped sort of thing. I actually yeah. prefer, prefer the chewy. I like uh, I like my ESBs. There's not enough ESBs in Portland. If anybody's out there making ESBs, please <laughs> let me know because there's only like two of them. Well, there you go. All right, You've, the the request has been uh, issued. We'll see if we can get them, and if we can, we find them. We'll have them on the we'll show. Bring them in. I'll come. Yeah. I'll stick around afterwards on a Saturday Absolutely. after the golf show. So I'm going to need you guys' help on this because usually I try to create a fully formed thought that we can discuss, um, but I have no idea what is going on and how this works. But Tiger Woods is America's darling, and again, I get that a little bit. Like, the, the comeback story and how big he was in golf is great. But I've got an app on my phone that gives me a news feed, and every other ad is for the I, Tonya movie. She's at the Oscars. She's everywhere. Yeah, that one Freaking Margot Robbie played Tanya Harding. If you could go through all the actresses in the world that can play, you're like, well, she, this girl, she's a good actress, she's not, not all that. Yeah. Margot freaking Robbie, that's like Denzel playing me in my life story. Yeah, like, where, where was Joan Cusack? I mean, that. Yeah, listen, there's got to be somebody else that can play Tanya Harding, but she hey, gets Margot Charlize Robbie. Charlize Theron played Monster. 
Yes, but she had a lot of prosthetics for that one. So fair point. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, or I think Cameron Diaz in uh, Being John Malkovich. I don't remember her in that. Tell me that you, she has the, the frazzled hair. She plays uh, the the wife of uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. John yeah. Cusack. Yeah. Being, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good movie, but I've only seen it like one time and I don't remember the specifics. We'll find a time. We'll, no, get, some, I, we'll get some champagne. We'll go back and rewatch. Yeah, yeah we, we discussed this uh, but, on some other show when the Oscars came out and Allison Janney won for uh, Best Sporting Actress for portraying her mom. Yeah. Uh, but all the, yeah, we, like, did everybody forget yeah, that she's she an awful person. A hit on her top competitor. <laughs> what? And 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 Jason even said it because we we're talking about it earlier. He's like, I refuse to watch that movie. And and I'm with you, kind of, because everybody that's seen the movie goes, "Oh, it's really good." I'm like, I don't care if the movie's good or not. I don't know how that makes it a, her a sympathetic figure. I yeah, think everybody I here that grew up here. And remember, you know, there's some Olympic... Yeah, uh, everybody that worked at Carl's Jr. and had Tanya drive through exactly. as a shamed Olympian. Yeah, and now she's she's this hero. I wonder... I'm curious because we... Did you ever see her, like, practicing at Lloyd Center? Like, when I was a kid, yeah, I remember... Clackamas you, Town Center yeah, or whatever. Clackamas yeah, Clackamas Town Center. And, and so I don't know if it's just a local thing where it's like we're embarrassed of Tanya Harding or if this happens nationally... But Tanya Harding now is this, again, sympathetic Right, and figure. that, when she was coming up, to be the Olympic gold medalist for women's figure skating was still was one of oh, those. Sure. It's like being the, the heavyweight champion of the world in boxing back in the day. That You were going to be on Wheaties boxes. You were going to get paid. And the fact that that person could be from the Portland area Except for, What's a big deal? Except for she wasn't even the best skater from the U.S., which led to her hitting someone's knee to, to get the top spot. I like know. it's the whole story's insane. And then the other one in this little trifecta this week is that's thinking OJ thing. The juice. I and, don't. I don't know why people still put microphones in front of his face. Well, quite but, frankly, but they didn't. This is 2006, and I fell victim to this because oh. the whole thing was it wasn't a new OJ interview. It was an unearthed right. 2006 interview, and I, I put my my twins to bed, and I'm home. My wife was still working. I'm walking through the house, and I can see through my window, through two sets of blinds, because it's just on the neighbor's TV. It's OJ's head taking up the full 65 <laughs> inch TV, and I'm like. I thought you I were should, referring to the uh, quote where he was chastising Kaepernick for starting. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, no, was, no, I tuned into that ridiculous parade no. of OJ's confession on Sunday. No. But but as soon as I saw his face, I, I did the thing where I'm going, I guess I could watch for a second. And then I watched <laughs> the rest of it. And it's, it's, it's Chris Darden in there and some friend that knew Nicole and like a, a creepy psychologist. And I was enthralled. And I don't know what it is. In in your brain that just goes, I gotta watch this. Well, for us, I remember we were in school, and yeah, I remember he grade. completely shut down mm-hmm. everything. Like they stopped math class to like listen to the verdict and and everything. It really launched a lot of reality TV or real time seeing what's going on. But, but yeah, last it's year's crazy o- to last year's Oscar, the documentary went to the OJ film, yeah. and, and and that eight part series. I could not watch that. But it's but like you said, we watched it in school, but we were too young to really know what was going on. We grew up in the Northwest, so the racial implications across the U.S. don't really touch home in Vancouver, Washington as much as they would elsewhere. So I don't remember 
the the feelings, the emotion that I had seeing that verdict. I remember that the the adults did, and that's yeah. why they showed a bunch of junior high kids. But man, when all that stuff came out, and all of a sudden you got David Schwimmer playing Rob Kardashian, <laughs> I can't wait to see it. <laughs> and, but doesn't it feel like is? Am I bad to lump Tiger into that group? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're doing a golf show jason do you agree am i bro am i, I mean, not not lumping him in in terms of like him being on the same level of them outside of sports but like it's still as surprising to me they that made tiger has made it back in yeah. from a performance perspective that that he's there because i thought that was done tiger's, i thought tiger was done tiger's relevance right now is somewhat being justified because he's Back yeah, there the on the two, golf there's course. There's no justification for relevance for the other two. No, there's none whatsoever. But they made him the favorite for the Masters. He hasn't won anything well, yet. How many people actually go to Vegas to bet on golf? Yeah. Yeah. Fair that, point. That's what that is. That, that's you just, live in Vegas. You always tell me it's not so much who's truly going to win. It's who's people are willing to bet on. That's a text line. There's this, only, that's public. The only public money in golf is coming in on Tiger right fair now. Point. Fair point. Here's, here's the text line, and this, this may be it. People like OJ and Harding just like they love reality TV. Some of their lives have crossed into television, of course. But th- is it, I, I just wonder if pre-reality TV, pre-social media, does this have the same hype? Or is it, it technology caught up to these stories that should have been this big when they happened? And now we're going, oh, we have all the tools. For, you can go on Twitter and make your comments about OJ. You can go on and well, talk OJ about- case created reality TV in a lot of you know ways. What? Created a court point. TV. That's a fair point. <laughs> I mean, Court TV was nothing, and then the OJ trial happened, and I mean, how many people got TV deals and books, and well, I mean, I, I, I Jay Leno know. had the Dancing Judge Itos as a sketch on, on the Tonight <laughs> Show, and well, it was insane. There's always moments in history that like shape the medium of technology and communication going forward, and the OJ Bronco scene. Yeah. Like all the CNN and everybody and ABC well, News and NBC the NBA News finals. and CBS News. Yeah. That's Everything going live. It was well, the the Rockets and Shaq and the Magic, I believe, and all of a sudden they break in and they're showing it's a box and box, and so you're watching the white Bronco while. So so what we're saying is Tiger Woods uh, driveway nine iron. Yeah, but that was, ba- it, but it's that was big because OJ OJ built the system that cr- turned that yeah. into a story, and that was so. So there's your connection. Well. Okay. Yeah, you're welcome. But I mean, getting back to the Tanya thing, though, just the last thing being local. Yeah. How many people, I, I think we could all probably know someone that had an encounter either yeah. with before or after with my Tanya sister, Harding. My sister worked at a Carl's like, Jr. She, she was always terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was one of those things where you're like, oh, why does that have to be our sports celebrity? <laughs> like, you're just kind of embarrassed. But I remember my sister worked at Carl's Jr. and would see her all the time. And she'd go through the truck and she'd always be rude to everybody that was in there. Like, oh, it's the worst. You just know when she comes through that she's going to be rude to you. It's going to be awful. And we're like, well, that's our celebrity. She's doing the Roxy boxing on, uh, what was it, Fox that brought her back as celebrity boxing. And you're like, yep, that's our little Tanya. And now, Margot Robbie. (laughs) Margot friggin' Robbie. And she didn't even wear... It's very frustrating. But, as I've mentioned several times throughout this show, I brought you, the finalists of Portland, two college basketball experts... And I've given them each a set of crystal balls, and we will all look at our balls next, and we'll predict what's going to happen in the tournament from here on out. That is next. Center and Saint, 1080 The Fan. Should we just let the music play here, Jason? Or? 
Move along. Okay, moving along. Uh, we are in, depending on how you read the brackets, uh, day three or day five of the college basketball tournament. Uh, if you're in the Pac-12, I guess you have to count it as day five. Otherwise, you only played one game. Doomsday. That, yeah, well, you know what? Either scenario, it's really doomsday for the Pac-12. Uh, but we are uh, in the middle of the first weekend of college basketball, and the tournament so far has been absolutely bananas. The first 16 seed has beaten the one seed, uh, which is fantastic. So I think now everybody that's redrawing their brackets from here out has UMBC winning the whole thing, which is, I mean, hey, you beat a one seed by 20. Why wouldn't you, right? So since I've got the only two people with perfect brackets left <laughs> in uh, the entire tournament, let's uh, take look ahead and make some prediction, predictions now. Um, you guys both have the score sheets or the game uh, schedule up for today. Jason Bro, I'll start with you. What upset do you see happening today? What game do you like? Going to Wichita, Kansas. I like to see Seton Hall knock off Kansas. Seton Hall, an eight seed, taking out the number one seed, Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, what is it from the first two games that you saw that you think will give them the advantage? I wasn't high on Kansas anyways as a one seed. I think they can be exposed a little bit. They're a little reliant on the three. I think Seton Hall is just a tough, tough team. They got a, they got Delgado inside. They got Rodriguez. They got guys who can score on the perimeter. They got physicality inside that can match up with Kansas. And I just think Kansas is a susceptible one seed. All right, and if we look at that happening, uh, we've got a few other games. Do you have a different one here for me, Swag? Who do you like? Uh, I like the 13 seed Buffalo to yeah. keep going and take down okay. Kentucky. That was the other one that I let you have that one, Swag. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, Kentucky's, what are they, six and a half point favorites, but, I, you know, that one, they play similar styles, and, but. Buffalo wasn't, they weren't intimidated in no, the slightest by the NBA guys playing for Arizona, so they're not going to be intimidated by Kentucky. Uh, and Kentucky's just susceptible as going into giant droughts offensively. The The trick is it'll be a little tougher for them to rebound because they may not, they got to find the bodies. Kentucky is more on the perimeter like they are, so they're actually going to have to go and box out and find guys they don't know that, you know, uh, Aiton and uh, Rusan. Uh, Ristich. Ristich. Dusan Ristich will be right there in the block, and they can just go get him. I, I like that one, too. The I, thing I, that I love ooh. about Buffalo is their coach. Yeah. That's, this is my new favorite guy in the tournament. Nate, Nate Oates. Oates. Nate Oates. Can we get the man a Quaker endorsement, please? No, just but here's the thing. This guy will be coaching major college basketball at uh, Power 5 very soon. But uh, he was a he was a high school coach just a few years ago. One of the, the star guards that he had uh, transferred from Missouri because his old high school coach just got a job in Division One college basketball. So he moved over there to play for his old high school coach. Young guy. But find, please, go and find the video of him on the on-court post-game interview. Just watch him shrug off beating Arizona by 20. It's absolutely fantastic. I'll give you my upset. I'm going to take Loyola Chicago yeah. because they have the hottest cheerleader in the entire thing, the 97-year-old. 98. 98-year-old. Sister. Sister. <laughs> yeah. She was she was with the team when they won the championship back in, in 1950-whatever. <laughs> 63 yeah. or something. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Loyola Chicago. They've won this tournament before. And I don't know. Again. 
But that's uh, there's a lot of great games today. So let's jump ahead to tomorrow and see what you geniuses think is going to happen tomorrow. Uh, all kinds of matchups. You got Butler as a 10 seed that looked really good. Syracuse, a very tough Yeah, Purdue team. lost their big man, Isaac yeah. Haas, their uh-huh. 7-2 center out with a broken elbow. Is that where see, you're going you're gonna to jump well, in? I, I like Butler even before Haas got injured in that matchup. Uh, I not, like him before I'm that. not going to jump in there. I actually have one I like better. All I right. Think, so, uh, I like the 7 seed into the Nevada Wolfpack to take down Cincinnati. God, they looked tough yesterday against Texas. Dude, didn't Musselman's they? guys will stay in it. It, it. Even if they're down six or seven, they're going into that last media timeout. They find a way to grind stuff. They can get defensive stops when things count. They're good enough at the free throw line. They have a couple of three point shooters to bail them out. And uh, and Musselman's just he's a genius. Well, so so how, how do you guys how do you guys take one game to the next? Because Nevada won in overtime. I mean, they're not coming off a dominant win. You have a team like Buffalo and UMBC who who won by twenty points. You just have to throw the last game out, or do you go? All right, I like I like guys that win close games because of the poise, and and you look at blowouts as matchup difficulties, or how do you do it? I like to look at personnel, and okay. when you look at Nevada, they have high major talent. They've got high major guards. They've got experienced fifth year guys. Same with Buffalo. You, you talk about that in the tournament. When you look at mid majors, who are good guard play and athletically do they have high major talent and you can look at both those teams watch five minutes and say both those teams have high major talent and they have experience versus a Kentucky which I agree with the Buffalo thing I look at that game Kentucky's got five freshmen and they're maybe the best collection of five freshmen in the country NBA Uh, players but But they're playing against guys who have four and five years of experience and you know that that's not to say talent won't win out but that puts them in position to, to knock off those teams because they're confident. They're confident in themselves. They played at a high level. They have a chip on their shoulder, and they have good coaches, and All that right. puts you in position to knock off. So you're taking Butler as your upset? Yeah. Is that the, that the big one? Here's my thing. How do you not take UMBC? If, 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 you're, if everybody out there is not like me, I'll be shocked. But once your bracket falls apart, oh, all you're, you're doing is rooting for, for the biggest Do upset. I think that they can beat Kansas State? No. <laughs> but I am rooting for But did for you them. think they can beat Virginia? No. no. So, I mean, anything can happen right now. But, I, but they will have more fans. And we'll have to, Did you check and go onto Twitter and see how many fans they had now? So this was, uh, if you missed the beginning of the show, uh, Bro was talking about the uh, Twitter followers. So UMBC had 5,000 when the game started. Midway through the second half, they were up to 43,000. i got to imagine anybody from campus that didn't had it can't be that long a drive to Charlotte four or five hours yeah. from Baltimore. Oh, they're all on their way now. Yeah. They're going now. Sure. All right. So the at UMBC Athletics, take a guess at what it's at right now, Luke. I'm going to say two hundred thousand. Not there. Seventy-two seven. Okay. Seventy-two seven. But that is. 67,000 more than they built up in the eight years of Twitter before yesterday's game. Yeah, well, if I'm you're just not wondering yeah. how over swamp that SID department is right oh, now. Yeah. Well, the guy, the guy who's running their Twitter is basically what I do. He goes yeah. and sits there and he's sitting courtside and he doesn't do it regularly, but he's a UMBC alum, 10 years. <laughs> and so he started going back at people during the game, you know, in a playful way. And all of a sudden they had like one thing pre-built to, to run out on social media. Their leading scorer was going to become one of the top scorers in school history. And then they just reacted throughout the entire, they were throwing shade at Seth Davis. They were throwing shade at ESPN. <laughs> they were, you know, they, and they just, it just blossomed. And now, you know, USA Today's got a story on the guy and everything. So, guys, does this make you think the pilots have a chance? Is oh, it, are these pilots little are stories? Always, we're right there, baby. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I'll be drinking in the morning when it does. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be popping the champagne at 7 a.m. <laughs>
be crazy. All right, so I'm fully on the UMBC bandwagon. If you're not, uh, let's go through. So, bro, your upset today is going to be... Butler. I had Butler. No, no, no. That's over. for tomorrow. Oh, for, for today. For Sorry. To, for today, your big upset is going to be... Today, I've You got, said Buffalo. I got Seton Hall over Kansas. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I got Buffalo. Seton Hall. Swag, you're taking Buffalo. I'm taking, I'm taking Loyola. I love the old lady. I think she's fantastic. I'm taking UMBC. Butler's the one that you're riding. How far do you think uh, Butler can go in this tournament I, as a 10 seed? I, I like Butler. I, I think yep. they've got the pieces that they can they can make an Elite Eight, I think. All right. And uh, Swag, you're out of your two upsets. Uh, you're taking Nevada as your upset for tomorrow. Who's going to go farther, Nevada? Uh, Nevada? Nevada can go farther. All right. All right, we'll keep an eye on those and see what happens. Uh, this has been a uh, blast, guys. Thanks for coming in. Um, so with with the tournament, uh, at the end of it, who do you see standing? Because neither of you guys are going to be back on this show, but when we get to the end of it, uh, well, after after one day, or after one game for each of the players, are there any of the top seeds that you feel like can can really hang on and, and win this thing? Michigan State looks like the best team in the tournament to me right now. Uh, I have Villanova in the final, and they're, they're looking good right now. Taking Alabama apart, sixty-seven forty with seven minutes left. So in the second I, half. I don't see any reason why they can't get there. And then, uh, of course, I had Arizona cutting down the nets. So Ooh, that's how brilliant I am. Virginia. I do have Gonzaga in the final four, and I think that they are equipped to do it. I think I they can too. take down North Carolina. Yeah. So they did not look good in their first round game. They never looked good in their first survive round game. Survive in advance, baby. Yeah, survive in advance. They almost lost to North Dakota at home. Earlier this year, so my bracket has Michigan State winning it all. So we'll see what happens uh, there. But I, I at least one step ahead. Who's your champion from the beginning? You oh, Virginia, Virginia, yeah, Virginia. Virginia all the way. All right, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> Our two basketball experts here. We've got a Virginia. We've got an Arizona. So I guess it looks like I'm the smartest guy in the, the room more with Michigan you know, State. The less you know. <laughs> the more you know. Next year, somehow we're going to do it. We're going to do a blind bracket where you pick before anybody gets on the show, and we'll see how we do compared to those. But everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy your Irish whiskey. Big thanks to Garrett um, McAleese, uh, the owner of Kells uh, Brewery up on 21st. Go and check out Kells. Uh, try the uh, Tropical Hazy uh, IPA uh, from Kells. It's fantastic. Everybody, have a great weekend. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.